What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. Look, I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited. It's been five years, y'all. Five years of Living Corporate existing to center and amplify black and brown voices and frankly, to connect black and brown talent with the organizations that want to engage them. The black and brown talent inside their organizations as well as the black and brown talent outside of their organizations. And we do that in a variety of ways. We do that through our HR analytics and organizational assessment tools. We do that through our learning platform. That's right. We have a learning platform. We'll be talking to y'all about that in more detail really, really soon. We do that through our di- digital media campaigns, like the one we're doing right now with Pfizer. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be here as I think about the fact that the, the topic of workplace fairness, the topic of inclusion, the topic of leadership and, and inclusive leadership, the topic, the topic of career empowerment, those are evergreen topics, y'all, irrespective of the political landscape and and people and, and leaders being reactive and, and slashing budgets and whatever the case is. The reality is, is that employees will always care that they have a fair work experience. They will always care that they're getting the right leadership. They will always care that they feel included and empowered to do the best every single day. That is evergreen content. And what's so dope about it is it's not just that it's evergreen, but that it's fire every time. And this conversation we have today with Ella and Kat, this conversation is so fire. Yo, I'm telling y'all right now, if you don't walk away, I had to play the flex bombs on this episode. That's right. I had to bring back the flex bombs. That's how fire this conversation was. I'm so excited for y'all to get to it. I ain't even going to hold y'all much longer, but I will say this shout out to Pfizer and, and all of our partners who continue to want to work with brands like living corporate, uh, to really continue to highlight not only their commitment to workplace fairness, but also to discuss in real, real, tangible, nuanced ways, the ways that identity shows up at work. I love this conversation because we sit down with two quote unquote women of color, both of them queer, one of them uh, Latina and the other one black American. And we have this conversation and we talk about the nuances of intersectional identity. And we talk about the realities of colorism and the way that those identities shape our perspective in how we show up day to day and and what it looks like to support people who exist in multiple spaces at the same time or intersectionality. And guess what, y'all? We all have intersectional identities. It's just that some are more welcome and readily accepted than others. Anyway, look, I ain't about to preach it, y'all. This conversation is so fire, we're going to get into it. We're going to pay a few bills, but then we're going to get to this conversation, okay? So I'm going to see you on the other side of this. Get ready. Ella and Kat, welcome to the show. How y'all doing? Doing great. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having us. Hey, it's an honor. I'm excited uh, to have you both. And for us to continue on this campaign that we have with Pfizer, you know, I'm going to get right to it, right? Because y'all got things going on. Y'all running around. It's probably like y'all umpteenth meeting of the day. So we're just going to get it going. So first of all, you know, 
I want to start with understanding how your experiences um, as women, as queer women of color, inform how you show up and how you lead at Pfizer. Yeah, Ella, you want to kick us off? I'll follow. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. So I would say the biggest thing about being a queer person and my racial identity in a space is the type of awareness that comes with it. Because a lot of times, you know, you are in a room of people that might not have the same background as you. They might not have the same experiences or perspective. And there are times or instances where people will say something or an action will be taken or not taken. And it's like, wow, it would have been nice if something different had been done to consider that aspect of this identity or be yeah. more inclusive. And... I think when I'm in a position of leadership or when I'm in that room and I have that voice, then it's like, I know what I wish would have been done or said. And now sure. I have the opportunity to go ahead and do that. Absolutely. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things is being able to implement sort of those missing gaps and spaces where that area hasn't been. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. I can definitely, that resonates with me a lot. And I think that also, especially because we're talking so much about intersectionality, and I do think that there's, for example, right, just very candidly, elements of myself that I cannot hide, right. that just show up when I walk into a room. And in theory, you could claim that I can hide that other element of myself, mm -hmm. right? There's a way in which I don't necessarily have to speak up and lean in, or for example, I'm, I'm a bisexual identifying woman and currently I'm with a man. And so there's an element of heteronormativity where I can, I recognize how I'm more digested in a social context <laughs> from people, right? As opposed to bringing or breaching that topic or that element of my life. And so I think that also for my Latinidad and coming out as like a brown Latina woman, because also there's such a racial spectrum of experiences within Latinos that I, I would love to get into. And I think we're going to get into further within our conversation. For me in particular too, like my white passing counterparts in the Latino community, very different. My experience is different than an Afro-Latina in this community, right? And so these layers of intersectionality, being first generation, all these different elements that make me who I am, make you who you are, right? It's true, like being able to step in and I think be mindful of those gaps is one big thing. But I think also for me, it's knowing that I have value existing in a world that at times wants to tell me on multiple accounts that I do not. How can I actively communicate or bring that vision to others and actively really pour into, hey, you and your just how you are and how you're navigating the world and the way that you see the world like is accepted is loved is appreciated is valued here right i think that's something also that i try to actively bring to the table because of how i want to show up as well yeah i mean that's that's incredible and I, I think about the reality that like having a peace and understanding of who you are then helps you and can enable you to empower others to just show up fully as themselves as well right i think that for sure speaking to your point of to your language right intersectionality we all none of us are one thing right so i'm a cishet black man so the way that i show up oh and also like a first generation corporate professional a second generation reader so like bringing those honoring those layers within myself then empowers me as i have dialogue and conversations and frankly i'm trying to lead and influence others certain layers of empathy that I can tap into or just like exist in to help and also help me be mindful of just the, the world around me, um, the workplace around me. Yeah. You know, I, I want to pick on myself, right? So regarding this term, 
women of color, right? We know that non-white folks, particularly non-white women, face challenges across the board. But women of color, quote unquote, as a term, like y'all are not a monolith. I'm curious, like, what would you say is unique about the intersections at which you exist that you believe Mm. may be overlooked or underappreciated? This is the question I was excited about. Right. So ahead, uh, yeah, just because we started to we started to touch on it, I think, and I think at times it's not explored enough. And I'll just claim it within the Latina community, if I'm being honest. Right. I think that at least for myself, I had to witness and experience so much the fact that being a mixed race individual and not exactly having a bucket that quote unquote fit what people were perceiving or expecting even was very awkward (laughs) for a long time, right? I had African roots, I had Incan roots, I had European roots, like very much white European roots, all mixed together within the first two generations that I come from. And I was growing up also all around Caribbeans and learning different dialects of Spanish amongst my South American Spanish, right? So there was such a mixture of experiences. And to your point exactly, Zach, with the complexity, right? I think that Obviously, I can talk all day about my complexities, but it's like all of these massive layers of differentiation that make every single unique individual unique, period, are so important. And they become so much more complex when you bring in being a woman of color, for example, because I also am a firm believer that it's never a hierarchy. This isn't the oppression Olympics. Let's be real, right? But let's be honest, different things carry different weights, right? There are privileges I have that Ella does not have as a black woman versus my experience, right? There are privileges that some of my counterparts have being lighter skinned or darker skinned, right? All of these things actively come into how we show up and how I experience my working life. And so I think at least for myself, being someone who who never quite felt like there was a bucket I could fit in, right? There were different elements of different communities and different things that deeply resonated with me that made my existence very complicated for a very long time. Being able to make the realization that all of us really do have that many unique layers and you really could call out so many different things gave me a sense of freedom to be like, oh, I can exist at the crux of all these different elements of who I am. And it's not really as complicated as the world is making me feel like it needs to be. It's really just that you want a much tighter definition of who I am based on the social constructs that we've decided are important, even if they're not right or even aren't morally or whatever else correct. Right. And because of that, now I've been forced to understand what mold. I fit into for you. But the truth is there is no mold, right? And I think that's what, for me at least, the experience has been like in coming to terms with myself and really navigating what my life and upbringing has been like. That was at least for me a huge moment. And I think, again, cascades into how I show up and how I experience and exist as a, again, like brown queer woman of color at work, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like so many points that you talked on the aspect of wanting to be in this neat little tidy box that people can understand. (laughs) It's like, I don't fully know you or your experience. That's too much to figure that out. So I'm going to take my preconceived notions of what I know to make it easier for me. Yeah. And it's like, sure, do that with concepts, do that with theories, math. If you do math a certain way, that's great. I'm a person. I'm Uh... not this fact of information. I'm not something that needs to be slotted, easily figured out. Mm -hmm. You should accept me as my identity and as I exist. And if they don't do that, I just simply won't engage or interact with Mm. them. And like you said, there's so many different aspects of identity, so many things that are just intertwined and that just can't be ignored or erased. And I feel like in that sense, something that's often overlooked is the type of strength that it takes to navigate. Mm, That's a great call. 
because you know there's this idea of strength it's like you going through these things you're a queer person you're a woman of color like it must be hard you must have some type of strength to go through that and it's like yes absolutely but it's not just that it's not just these moments where you show up and you're like this is a challenge so I'm gonna go through it yeah it keeps going you always have to sort of almost have this shield up Mm. because in my experience if you don't have that sort of barrier between yourself if you don't have this healthy self, self-protection yeah i feel you and like assurance yeah for self too yeah people <laughs> the confidence like, and security yeah, is key. absolutely <laughs> yes because like if someone sort of manages to like break through that armor a little bit like that's disrupting it hurts it's wounding and a lot of times at work in your personal life you don't always have the luxury to take that step back and recalibrate you just have yeah. to keep going and pretending that everything is fine even when it's not absolutely i had i can think of multiple experiences but i've had a very direct one in like one-on-one settings and group settings at work specifically where i'm like i can't cry i can't talk back to you i can't exactly tell you why this is wrong we're at the beginning of our meeting right (laughs) but it's just you and i and where do we go from here so I, i i hear you completely it's like this weird fine balance because i think you realize very quickly and We've had some interesting discussions about this, especially because I feel like we're in two different parts of our early career, right? Mm-hmm. Where I feel like I was learning a lot of that when I was about a couple of years out. And now right. I'm kind of in this like four, four plus entering territory. And there's mm-hmm. this element of, okay, I've learned some of my tactics, right? I've learned some of my self-protection awareness. But you realize, I think, very quickly that work and life is really not as separate as people talk about, right? You think you hear work-life balance, that it means that they're isolated in some capacity. And then you get into the working world and you're like, oh, hold up a minute. Like, (laughs) this is just all glob together. Everything is ebbing and flowing with one another. And so it's so hard, I think, on a day where maybe you're not 100%. Maybe you don't have the emotional strength to be as vigilant, for example, Mm -hmm. because of something in your personal life. It totally affects how you're able to actively navigate these situations in your work life. So I I think that's a great call out, honestly, because I feel like at times it's not talked about enough. And to your point, I think it gets reduced to we're so strong. Look at the Mm -hmm. grit that we have. Right. Right. And like, that's great. But also, I'm not only like the strength that has been formed through these through this oppression. Yeah. Right. I feel like that happens at times, right? I'm also kind of it becomes this narrative. And that's like, I was also naturally given X, Y, and Z gifts. And mm-hmm. I'm fantastic in A, B, and C ways. Yeah. And sure, my I, my layers of identity might even be enhancing that, but where is space for both in a way that doesn't make it seem as if they have to be completely interdependent, even if they're deeply not exclusive, <laughs> you know, from that's one great. another, yeah, right? It's yeah, just yeah. so hard to explain. But yeah, that's just I think I totally vibe with all what you're saying, too. Yeah. This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media 
to put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know, to, to y'all's point around like just the, so the, the phrase or the language of work-life balance, like we're seeing more and more people use the phrase work-life blend. And the reality is, is that Mm -hmm. like, as we continue to grow as like this, like late stage capitalist society, like we're going to continue to work more. Right. And so, and when you think about the studies, they show that most people spend most of their life working. So it's really mm-hmm, not reasonable mm-hmm, yep. or possible for you to say, okay, I'm going to compartmentalize <laughs> all of the things that make me me in this box over here. And then all of my work stuff over here. If you're working eight, eight out of your 14 waking hours, yeah. five days out of every seven days. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then when you also think about the reality, like that there's all these tensions right now around DEI and what can we do and what can we say? And it's like, like that debate can happen over there, but in the real world, if I'm going to continue to be working more and more and more, and I'm going to continue to be this identity that I walk in every single day, there has to be some level of consideration and thoughtfulness for who I am, because I'm Mm -hmm. going to be who I am everywhere I go. And I'm going to be, Mm -hmm. and most of where I go will be at work. Um, Yeah. I hear you. So like to that end, you know, I'm curious when you think about like, a lot of the things that y'all are talking about right now, they there's a certain presumption of inclusivity, safety, empowerment, even just space to reflect and even develop and and, and mature and nurture a level of self-awareness. Like the dialogue we're having right now, like y'all are talking yeah. in a way that like it clearly articulates to me or illustrates to me that um, you have the space to even do that. Right. Because I've talked to several people like Living Corporate has had hundreds of conversations over the past Uh, five plus years and everyone doesn't have the same isn't granted or given the same amount of space to even like reflect Mm. on themselves their own identity and the various nuances and ways that they exist and interact in in, at at work i'm curious like what do you believe is happening at pfizer um from your leadership or even maybe things that you're that you're even contributing to Mm. that support the creation of safe inclusive and empowering uh spaces to to do your jobs Hmm. That's so, a good question. <laughs> you want to set this one? I need to be. Yeah. So I feel like I have like a great first remark to make for this because uh, I'm in digital, so essentially the tech aspect of Pfizer. And I just joined a year ago. I was here as an intern a little bit and I saw the company culture and I noticed just how kind and friendly everyone. And I was like, okay, I like this. Let me see if I can start my career here. And one of the biggest things I've noticed so far is like the push for DEI. But not only that, like we've started a digital DEI council. There's initiatives, there's goals, like there is actual intent of, hey, we're realizing that we're lacking in this space or that we could start bolstering experiences of people mm-hmm. or more voices. And there's actual measurable and actionable steps to that. Because it's like there are times people are like, wouldn't this be great if we did it? And everyone's like, yeah. (laughs) And that's it. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's no action, there's no follow-up, there's no steps forward with that. But I see, especially from a leadership level, the amount of thought that goes into making those spaces, the amount of thought that goes into that commitment. Because it's like, we could say, we want to make a safe space, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. if you don't actually do anything to promote that- Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Put your money where your mouth is. Like, if you don't cultivate that follow-through with actions, and if you also don't understand what people need even before they might realize that for themselves, yeah, um, it's like- I think that's one of the key tenets to making that diverse space and inclusion like that. Like, I would say a great example of leadership that I directly experienced as a woman of color was that I was helping to film a recruitment video for digital. Mm. And the director of the digital rotational program is also a black woman, and she was heavily involved in the process and was a key individual. And since we were filming on video, we had a makeup artist. And the morning of the video, the director pulled me aside and she said, hey, I told the makeup artist, if you want to use your foundation, you're more than what, like, she will use your foundation. Like, basically, the director told the makeup artist, let her use this foundation. And I just thought that was remarkable, the way she made Mm. that space for that, because it's like, We didn't have a conversation about this. I wasn't like, hey, can I bring my own makeup? Mm Because I don't mm -hmm. know if the makeup artist is going to have any. Sure. It's just like, as a Black woman in a leadership position, she had these experiences with makeup, or at least she's aware of the challenges that can happen. Yeah, Yeah. she looked out for me. Or awkward. Because I feel like those things add up. Yeah. Right? Like, someone can, I think, pass that off as a small experience, Mm -hmm. but it's really not because the small experiences are all over, to your point, right? And it it can affect someone so much deeper than I think people consider at surface level. Absolutely. Yeah. And like also the fact of the dynamics, like I'm an associate, I'm really on my career. Absolutely. Maybe I don't want to make those waves. Comfortable. Yeah. 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 So it's like even small, like small things to huge things, I think is where Pfizer is really allowing that space to happen. It's not just saying they want it. It's making that happen. Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mama. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. (sighs) Now the old head gets to go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She says as if she's a million years old, but she is not. (laughs) But... So I 
I think there's a huge testament to a lot of what Ella is saying, because I do think that's not where we were even a couple years ago. Mm. So I do want to highlight that. I joined Pfizer back in 2019. So pre-pandemic, right before, <laughs> and pre, if we're being honest, right, like a post-George Floyd era, right? And we recognize how that impacted a lot of the corporate DEI landscape, if we're being very candid, right? And so I'm not necessarily a cynical person, but I do say that very little surprises me because at the end of the day, I think humanity can be that much better and that much worse than we really fathom it could be always, right? And so very little surprises me. It doesn't mean that I'm not disappointed or affected by things or not excited or, you know, hopeful about other things. Pfizer has been a really interesting place for me to work at because one, I never thought I would work in pharma. I'm actually an engineer. I have my electrical and computer engineering, computer science degree, but I wanted to work in healthcare. So I started in a totally different sector of Pfizer than the one I'm sitting in now. And especially in the space I was working in previously, I was a manufacturing process engineer after also a rotational program actually for engineers, but within the global supply space, a different Mm -hmm. sector in 2019. For example, the program I joined, me and my cohort peer, we were actually the first women of color they had hired into the whole history of the program at that point in time. She had gone to NC State. I had gone to Duke. We became very fast friends. She's still actually at Pfizer. And so her and I used to talk a lot about what is Pfizer doing or not doing, especially because we had just been out of school, all these different things. And especially when the pandemic hit and when some of these things came to light and a lot of corporations really... I'll reserve my bandwagon comment, but let's be honest, actually stepped up, right? You know, and came in and started to put their money where their mouth is. That was really exciting to see. I think that's something that a lot of us didn't expect. And if we speak, I'm sure, to other Pfizer colleagues, I'm sure they're absolutely thrilled and really impressed about where we are now compared to where we were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? And so I I always say this not because I have any disrespect. I actually have a lot of love for Pfizer, period, and the fact that Pfizer and other corporations are stepping up and doing work to do exactly what Ella said, and that positions in leader, people in different positions of leadership, I should say, across the board that have had experiences are really giving back, right, to earlier talent and being like, hey, where can I step in and help, right? Where can I actively make sure that you you can avoid a situation that I had to face that really made it uncomfortable for me? And that, again, I think is a testament to the people which helped fuel the culture, right? Mm-hmm. I think where there's opportunity is that at the top level within our CEO and our C-suite, there's a lot of really great messages and ways I think that we're trying to drive equity, right? We look at some of the data that we're trying to actively meet metrics that are, you know, have active goals with numbers, which we haven't always seen in the past in different corporations, or we even look at the way that, again, the CEO and C-suite is actively talking about equity. And it's one of our values, right, as, as Pfizer, which is huge. The fact that it's it takes up 25% of that, you know, of that actual complete space is, is big to me, that equity is one of those values. But if you think about the mid-level manager level, I'm a big believer in organizational change. And at the end of the day, organizational change is also dependent on that mid-level manager level. And so even sitting in somewhat of that space That's where I think there's a lot of opportunity. And this is not Pfizer specific. I think I've seen it with other corporations. I'm just speaking to my experience at Pfizer because it goes so far beyond if you're willing to fund a DEI council, if people are willing to step in and do the work. Because the fact of the matter is I also see a lot of people of color doing all that work, right? And so if we're in those marginalized communities doing the fight that we have been doing or fighting the fight, I should say, that we've been fighting for that equity it's tiring after a while, right? And so where is the place for increased allyship, right? And I've seen a lot of incredible allies at Pfizer. And I think, again, that's where taking up space has been so powerful. And I, But I would also challenge the community that I love at this company, right, to step in and think, 
where maybe am I not educated on things that could potentially really influence with bigger waves than I realize the space around me and make a more inclusive and equitable environment for the people that maybe are uncomfortable in situations exactly like you highlighted, Ella, right? Like, where is the opportunity where if you had had a white manager that they had that comment to you? Right. That, that's what I mean, right? That they recognize, you know what? I recognize this is something you might face. Why don't you bring that from home so we don't have to worry about it? That's really where I want us to aspire to, I think. So obviously, I'm, I'm a big person that believes in shooting beyond the stars. Like, get me to Jupiter. Get me past, right? Get me all beyond in the other places of the universe. So I'm, I'm making very lofty goals, I think. I hate to say that they're lofty because I think they're, you know, they're tangibly feasible to achieve. But that's where I think there's such opportunity. And I think that why I'm hopeful is because in the four years that I have been here, the amount of strides of change that Pfizer has actively invested in, I do think is commendable. Like we are headed in the right direction. But in my head, it's just like the journey is long. We have a long way to go. And at least speaking for the U.S., I cannot speak globally in the United States when you live in the systemically racist and, you know, unfortunately still opposed to marginalized communities fully getting, you know, integrated into the into the country system, it gets complicated, right? Because how can a corporation alone, you know, change the things that are actively influ influencing it inside and out? So I would also make that caveat, right? Pfizer can only do so much. It can do what's in its power in a great way. But that's where I think the need for bigger chains also starts to influence the whole situation. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. So first of all, let me just hard pause and say super fire conversation. And I'm going to say <laughs> no disrespect to any of our past campaigns or other clients, easily the most uh, auditorily pleasing pod we're ever going to have. It sounds like we all have been sitting together. <laughs> That's a bullshit. Go Ella. I'm telling you, y'all sound great. So I just want to, I'm a pat. Everybody on the back, uh, myself and two, I'm going to take my two hands. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's funny that you say, right, um, Kat, about like that mid-level manager engagement. I think about my background um, as a consultant at PricewaterhouseCoopers, mm. Accenture, Capgemini, and my whole background in space has been in DEI, organizational transformation and human resources, right? Mm. ERP implementations, things of that nature, but also just like large scale change. And so you're 100% spot on in that, look, sending the message and getting the messaging, that top-down messaging from like your senior level executives down, that's not actually that hard. And getting messaging to like your first level employees is also not mm -hmm. really that hard. Mm -hmm. But empowering those mid-level managers, those senior yes, managers, <laughs> those directors to not only like um, signal the like send the right messages but also like behave in a way 
to actually mobilize change, like organizational, operational, cultural change is the hardest lever. And I'm talking about changes around like, hey, we used to use this system. Now we're using this system. Now, when you start talking (laughs) about like culture and people, right, that becomes like a whole different thing. But you're absolutely right that like, you know, you say you're shooting for the stars. I think that it's very tangible. Like it comes down, I I believe, to really meaningful uh, enablement and upskilling, right? How do you actually train Mm -hmm, it up mm -hmm. and setting the example? How are you driving accountability and incentivizing the right behaviors? And what does it really look like to take conversations like these, shameless plug, and make sure that they get out and they're easily disseminated to the audiences with some actionable steps and probing questions just to get people thinking? Like I think about, I'm just so passionate and excited about these types of conversations because it goes beyond your typical, here's why the N-word is bad. And it's really a nuanced dialogue about, the world of work and what we mm-hmm, need to be thinking mm-hmm. about and doing and showing up differently. You know, I, I want to keep going because, because we get, we run out of time and I'm, I'm going to get a couple, <laughs> more, I'm going to get a couple more of these questions off. So, you know, Pfizer is, you said it already a global entity. Both of y'all alluded to it and said it directly, a global entity uh, with influence across different cultures and societies. I'm curious, right? I would imagine in your day to day interaction, you're you're talking to a diverse slate of people, all with a variety of different backgrounds and experiences, things of that nature. What does it look like for you to advocate, self-advocate for yourself, and also just, you know, and I may perhaps cat uh, this more to you as a as a mid-level manager, but just how do you advocate for yourself and also just like broader conceptually equity in such a diverse space with so many different cultures and different people that you're interacting with every day. Great question. I, I would love to pause, Ella, if you have anything to state first, especially I think being newer, you might have a more unique perspective. But if nothing, I'm, I'm happy to jump in. Yeah, I would say definitely all you. Okay. No, sure. Just love checking in. I, I think it's a great question. Naturally, and this isn't a pat on the back, just in, in a great way, I've been able to see six to, to seven or even eight different areas of Pfizer since coming here because I was in that rotational program, because I've had roles post the rotational program, full-time roles, right? About three at this point post the rotational program. I've, I've really navigated, for example, when I first started the company, working with some people in our sites in Europe, I was working in that manufacturing space. And then like I worked with a lot of people that didn't have college degrees, right? I had been there for years after high school. I came into my commercial effectiveness role within the headquarters. And that was very much also like a new startup environment. So I was working with people that had come external from Pfizer, some people out of college, some people that had been Pfizer a long time. And now coming into the role I'm in currently, which is within our oncology division, and it's it's within our brand and product management and marketing. I've seen a very different different Pfizers, (laughs) honestly. You're almost joining kind of new teams and new environments. And so if I'm only speaking personally, because I am just an N of one at the end of day, right? With my personal experience and all these different spaces that I've occupied, I think that personally, I've also had to learn and grow, not necessarily what it's like to work with diverse groups of people, but to really quickly ramp up on, okay, what is the culture that I'm stepping into? Is it a culture that I feel I can add value to because it's very similar to my values? Or is it a culture that I feel like I can add value to because maybe some of the values that are being presented aren't actually fully in line with the ones that I personally feel very strongly about? And that has been something that I've had to sharpen as a skill that I think I'll continue to sharpen for my whole career, frankly, right? I don't think that's something that you perfect overnight. I think people evolve, you evolve, and you have to continuously modify it. But the way that I at least have navigated those spaces is 
I used to be an old mentor of mine who I love dearly and I'm still in contact with it is advisor actually one of my first mentors called me I'm I'm a lot of thunder and lightning <laughs> which is true and I take that proudly but it was like learn how to use the thunder and lightning at the right times because if you are thunder and lightning all the time people are not going to listen let's be frank right you could have the best ideas in the world it does not matter they will turn their ear off at some point because they're like, I need you to just, <laughs> right? Add the fact that I'm brown, that I'm loud. I have the Latina, that forget it, right? Every now and then they're like, oh, this is just a loud, aggressive. And I've gotten this, right? Loud, aggressive, angry woman coming at me. I don't need this energy. And I've gotten that straight to my face, right? And so, yeah, multiple times. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, where do I turn the volume up and down? Like not compromise myself, but turn the volume up and down in such a way that being someone who loves people, and builds relationships of depth. Like I'm not a surface level person. I'm friendly and kind to everyone at a surface level. But I think the way that I truly connect kind of to speak to what you're asking, Zach, right, is by going that level below. And because I recognize that my identity is complex, no matter who you are, I'm sure your identity is complex too. Like I just learned that one of my teammates from my new team, who I never would have guessed, was a was a cello player for like 27 years. And this, the way that his, he explored that part of his identity, how it even spoke to his own navigation as a man in this capacity was so different, right? To think about it. And I didn't even know that. And so I think the way that I try to really engage people is recognize, again, I believe you have inherent worth and value. What you do with that worth and value may be different, right? For better, for worse. But I really do believe you have it. And because of that, there's a degree of respect and kindness that I will offer you. And I need to analyze maybe what your values are and where mine are and where we can find some healthy bridges. Because I do feel like a calling and conviction on my life is to be a bridge. I think that I feel very comfortable and confident navigating, okay, my people that are over here, especially my black and brown communities that maybe are in the environments that the people over here that I went to school with at times and my PWI that I work with at times that are operating maybe in more suburban, more affluent areas, like I feel confident I can bridge these two because of my identity and what I've experienced. And so when I deal with that global community of Pfizer, I think very, very intentionally about if I'm called to be a bridge, where can I bridge things that can drive equity? Right. And so that's, I think, how I show up. And especially at that mid-level manager level right now, I said as a senior manager within our organization, it's complicated. This is a very, very what I've seen end of one. Right. In theory, director and senior director are kind of like the next roles that kind of start to grow you into that senior manager level. I have every intention and aspiration to continue to grow in those capacities because I have high and lofty, exciting goals for my communities, not just for myself. And you got to be in those rooms sometimes to accomplish those things. And exactly to the question, you need to know how to, I think, turn the volume up and down in a healthy way while never compromising yourself. And that's something that I struggled with for a while was how do I do that? Because sometimes I thought that me not saying something when person X said something I had a problem with was me compromising myself. And I realized, you know what, I can respond tactfully so they can hear in a very strategic way and then turn the volume up once I've gained their trust in that way to really be able to drive change. And so it's been learning those skills and I'm still learning it, honestly. It is a lifelong journey, but I'm so much further than I was, I think. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> so much further than I was at one point in time. So, so this is what I'm going to do. I want to give this last question I'm going to give it to Ella. All right? all right. Yes, please do. All right. So, so here we go, Ella. No pressure. So, <laughs> so you're, you're early in your career. You're navigating um, just the world of work, of course, like world of work at like at a huge entity like Pfizer. Uh, I'm curious, like, what is your. Oh, Zach, I think we're losing you a little bit. So oh, hold I want to pause and ask the oh, question okay. one more time. No, thank you so much. You're hold back. On. Okay. Am I back? Yeah. You're back. We got you now. All right. Great. So I'm obviously. So. So Ella, you are, um, you're new in your career. You're navigating a huge entity. Um, 
in the healthcare space, but in pharma specifically, I'm curious, like, what is it that Pfizer is able to do to, to really keep you engaged as mm. like as a younger professional, as a Gen Zer? That's an important question. And what do you believe that Pfizer and other brands need to be doing to keep in mind to really attract and retain Gen Z talent? It's a great question. That is a great <laughs> question. So, oh my goodness, I would have to say. The number one thing right now that's keeping my interest, that's really keeping me engaged at Pfizer, is the fact that, like Kat, I was in and currently am in a rotational program. So essentially every six months for the next year, actually, because I've been here for a year already, I'm going to be in different roles. I'm going to be learning different things about Pfizer Digital because even that entity within itself, there's so many different lines, different opportunities yeah, to huge. explore and there's just a lot of things to learn. And I feel like that's something that I'm always going to be interested in is learning these different areas, learning these different spaces. It's like I would have never thought that there was a whole team at Pfizer dedicated to like making learning materials for this new product they might have. And of course, when you think about it, it makes sense. But it's like had I not ever been exposed to that, yeah. I don't think I would have been aware of that. Um, and I would say there's always a lot of nice things that are incorporated, like there's cultural um, benefits, like going to museums, being able mm -hmm, to just mm -hmm. engage with the community. And there's this awareness of like, you have work, but you also have life as well. So like, let's yeah. kind of be able to provide some like benefits and let you experience that as well. But I would say probably one of the biggest things to retaining talent in my age group and Gen Z would be flexibility in the mm. sense of mm. not only like hybrid, like being able to come into the office like two to three times a week, but also in terms of thought processes, in terms of pushing boundaries almost in the sense of, is this the direction we want to go in? And if so, how do we do that? And then mm. taking new ideas, adapting that sort of putting your own mark on it, but a mark of authenticity from an area that you really want to do and not just because this is the new buzzword and we're just going to hop on this train, like essentially jump on the bandwagon. So it's like really popular. Yeah, it can like be that. tempting for corporations. Yeah, I think, absolutely. Right? Especially with like, Gen Z when I think things travel so quickly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, let's hop on this trend. Let's get their attention. And I think another like phenomenal thing that Pfizer is doing. I think another thing that I know a lot of other companies are, but that I would just like to see expanded even more is to your point about different systemic aspects and systemic mm. injustices that mm -hmm. get uh, sort of funneled into corporations is things like hiring practices. Like the Girl. whole reason. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, it's a, that is like, a whole other topic that we um, But the whole reason that I'm at Pfizer is because I was an Inroads alum. So Inroads is an oh, organization. Yeah, Inroads. That's yes. cool. Sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Shout out to Inroads. Cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah, shout out yes. to Inroads. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was an Inroads alum. Inroads is a program that essentially partners with underrepresented communities and minorities mm -hmm. to get them positions in corporate America, specifically through internships. And I never saw myself working in the pharmaceutical field either. But then we all stumbled here by accident, right? <laughs> all of us. <laughs> right. And it's like, 
I wish, and I do see this more partnerships, more efforts to really include these communities that might not have that same network, that might not have that same mm-hmm, connection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a family friend that's like, hey, like, come in here, yes, I'll ma'am. show you the ropes. Yeah. And I think really breaking down those barriers to access and entry, um, that's really going to help access. retain my generation and keep us interested and keep us here. Has that knowledge, yeah. 1,000%. Yo, let me tell y'all right now, right? That was my last <laughs> question. This has been one of the most fire conversations I've ever had. And I'm going to tell you, like, uh, back in, like, Little Course Burnout for, like, five plus years, right? We used to do a bunch of sound effects a lot, but then just things kind of, you lose track of things. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to yeah. drop this one. <laughs> Not the buzzer. <laughs> I got to. I got to drop the Jamaican air horns. It's just too crazy. Phenomenal dialogue. I appreciate you both. I'm excited about um, everything that Pfizer is doing. I'm so thankful that we're able to have a conversation that spans such a wide array of things. That's really like the beauty mm-hmm. of um, of our platform and the fact that I mean, we're able to collaborate. I'm just so appreciative. Um, I want to tell y'all, first of all, both of y'all friends show, welcome back anytime. I know I got, I'd have to coordinate through like a thousand people because Pfizer is such a huge <laughs> matrix organization and that's fine. Yep. Shout out to me and real. the whole team. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to y'all soon. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Zach. This is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Hey, thank you for being here. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Peace. Bye. And we are back. Yo, shout out to Ella and Kat. I want y'all to make sure that y'all stay up to date on this Pfizer campaign. Okay. We have been talking to leaders at Pfizer about their commitment to black and brown communities um, in their corporate walls and outside of the corporate walls for a while and if you haven't been you're not familiar i want you to check the link in the show notes because we have a whole catalog of conversations we've had with all levels of leaders and high performers at pfizer okay make sure you click that link in the show notes if you want to learn more about how fire uh the work that they're doing is and frankly how fire the conversations have been because i'm gonna tell you ain't been a miss yet ain't been a miss yet okay <laughs> anyway listen i'm gonna tell you something the most powerful power right because we we have several powers but the most powerful power <laughs> the strongest superpower that you have is your voice your voice is the only thing that no one can take away but you your voice is the only thing that nobody can take away but you do not sleep on the power of your voice that's it straight up advocate for yourself speak over yourself you know what I'm saying remind yourself that you actually have value outside of the boxes and spaces that people try to fit you into your voice is powerful because you can talk to you too it's not just about you screaming that you're dope to everybody else it's about you believing and telling yourself that you're dope Okay, like we live in this space in this time, especially where people on the margins are constantly told that they're close, but not just not quite there yet. They're given, oh, you got to go get a degree. Oh, you got to go get this role. Oh, you got to go get this certification. And I'm, I'm not against extended education. I'm not against certifications. But we can fall into a trap. And when I say we, I mean, mar- historically marginalized people specifically fall into this trap of feeling like we need to adhere, conform, 
diminish ourselves and quiet ourselves so that we can excel. And that is a hoax. Do not quiet yourself. Look for more space to take and take it up right now. Straight up. Now, look, I love y'all. Take care of yourselves. You and I will see each other really soon. I got some dope news to share with y'all really, really soon. So make sure click the link in the show notes, subscribe to the newsletter, subscribe on the website so you can stay in tune, keep up with this campaign and keep up with what we got going on at the Living Corporate Network. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.